your heart. And so I want to read just a passage that I was reading in in worship. I was actually reading it over myself uh, selfishly before I read it over you. But it's out of uh, uh, Colossians. And uh, this is just an amazing passage um, on the supremacy of Christ. And it starts in Colossians 1.15. I'm going to read out the Passion Translation. It says, He is the divine portrait the true likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the universe of all things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth, all that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, every realm of government, principality, authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He exists before all things were made, and now everything finds completion in him. This is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is the supremacy of who Jesus is. And if we want to see an increase in the glory of God, we, get, we begin to acknowledge his supremacy, acknowledge him as king. He is the king. And we sometimes say that with our words, but we don't necessarily practice it with our actions. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the firstborn of all creation, that by him all things exist. They live, they move, they have their being. And it's a powerful realization when you realize that you're not in charge. It's a powerful realization when you realize that there is an authority in your life. And when he says stop, you stop. And when he says go, you go. And when he says hold up or move over here or shift this way or look this way, you do it. It's an amazing understanding to realize that we have a king that is looking out for our benefit. He is the king of kings. The Bible tells us that he is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is all-present. He already knows the answer before you ask the question. He already knows the sum total before you ever come up with the equation. He is the ultimate Google. He knows exactly what you need, when you need it, and how you need it. And sometimes there is a delay in the, prayer, in the prayers and the promises. And we've been praying into things for years and we've not necessarily seen them. It's because he understands timing. See, we preach a lot about the promises of God, but not necessarily about the timing of God. And you have to understand the timing of God because he's king and we're not. And so his timing supersedes our timing, right? And so when we understand his timing, we understand that we're not trying to grab onto a promise of God outside of the timing of God. Now, there are instances where God releases a promise, and you can prophetically declare something into existence. It says, call those things that are not as though they are. And you can actually, with your faith, grab onto something in the future and pull it into the now. But there are also other things, there are promises and destinies and dreams and visions that we have to begin to move in the timing of God. And we have to be okay when he says stop. And when I believe that when we begin to allow King Jesus in this way in our life, allow him to truly seat on the throne of our heart, but also on our mind, our will, our emotions, giving up our dreams for his dreams, giving up our will for his will. It's not that we are uh, these blind robots, but he actually begins to move through us in a way, and an unrealized dream begins to be birthed. There are things inside of you that you have no idea of. The Bible tells us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love him? 
then you have not seen, heard, or even comprehend what he has prepared for you. There's been a phrase that has been stuck in my heart uh, for, for probably going on six months now. And the phrase is, is uh, out of the book of John in a conversation that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And there was a phrase that he said is, there is coming a time and now is. And I've been saying this uh, probably about everywhere I've spoken. I've said this uh, at least one part of my message, one part, because I truly believe there is coming a time and now is. I truly believe it, and there is an anticipation and an expectation that's rising up in me that I've not experienced before. I don't know if you ex have it, are experiencing it or you are sensing it, but I believe even those who do not have a deep understanding of theology, you have a sensation that something is about to happen. You have an idea, you have an unction, you have a yearning, and what it is is the deep in you calling out to the deep in him. It's the deep in you crying out to the deep in him. It's the Romans 8 groaning, the, the groanings that are too, uh, too deep for words, and the earth is beginning to cry out, and the people of God are beginning to cry out, and the angels are crying out, and all of a the sudden there is this chorus of hunger for Jesus. And there is this anticipation that something is about to happen. There is coming a time and now is. It means that what you're experiencing right now is only a shadow of what's to come. It, it, you may be experiencing a measure of breakthrough and a measure of glory and a measure of presence and a measure of anointing. But something is coming that will supersede and overshadow and eclipse what the, la the former days have, have experienced. And I believe that the latter days will be greater than the former days. The days ahead of you will be greater than the days behind you. In other words, what you need to understand is that the best is yet to come. That you may not be experiencing the best right now, but the best is yet to come. And the more you anchor your faith and anchor your hope into what is coming, and you begin with your faith to reel in what is coming, there's coming a time and now is. And I believe we've experienced a picture of breakthrough as in, a, in American church and, and, and just in general in our personal breakthrough. We've experienced a picture of breakthrough. It's like an advertisement. It's like a commercial, what a commercial does when they show you a picture of food. And I don't care how beautiful the picture is. I don't care how nice the table is. I don't care how, how beautiful the setting is in the picture. Nobody can eat a picture of a steak. But there's coming a time and now is when we don't have to shout about a picture of deliverance or an instance of deliverance, but we're about to experience the real thing. And I truly believe this with all of my heart and what, I, what my goal is this morning is to just throw gasoline on you. That's, that's all I'm up here doing is to throw gasoline on your faith that the best is yet to come, that there is something that is coming. There is something that is here. And if you begin to tie your faith into what's coming, even though you may not see it right now, you may not have an understanding, it, there's breakthrough that's coming. There's coming a time and now is. There's coming a time and now is. 
I began to talk about this. We did a trip in, in Uganda in January. I began to talk about this. Uh, there was a service that I did. It was over the radio. And, and we began to talk about this. And many of the, the people uh, who were on the team that went with us can tell you that something snapped in the atmosphere. I don't know. I can't explain it. But the place went crazy. It went nuts because there was an anticipation. And when their faith met the bold declarations and their faith met the declarations of God and what God was doing, in that land and in that region, something began to happen. And I believe that we're about to experience what the Bible calls the great awakening, what the Bible calls, what the prophets have been speaking of, of the third great awakening, the great pull, the great exclamation point on the faith of Christianity that one day and coming a time and now is that once again, the name of Jesus will be held in high esteem. Once again, the name of Jesus will be held in high esteem in our city. And I love this verse, there is coming a time and now is. I love the, the latter part of it because there is coming a time when those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship him in spirit and in truth. One of the things that I, I believe with all of my heart that will mark this next season, that will mark this great awakening that God is releasing, the, the presence, the miracles, the glory, everything that God is releasing is unity. Unity. And I'm not going to get into it, but you need to understand that, that, that Satan has a kingdom and his kingdom is unified. And to combat his kingdom and to tear down every principality and every power, every ruler of darkness, there needs to be a unity in the church. There needs to be a unity among churches, a unity among believers that, that we can come under one banner, putting aside all of our differences, all of our theological differences, all of our questions, and putting aside one banner, and that banner is Jesus. Eleven times in the book of Acts, it says that they came together. They came together in one accord. They were in one place together. Pick your translation, but eleven times it says that they were in one place with one heart, with one mind, and all of the sudden, something snapped. Something broke in the atmosphere, and the building began to shake. And all of the sudden, there was something that was released in the atmosphere that could no longer be contained, that could no longer be held back, that there was a cloud that had been seated with worship and been seated with prayer over a city and over a region. And when they came together in one accord, that the cloud let loose, and the rain of God began to fall on the land, and there was a great outpouring. I believe that this is the key. This is the mark. Here's the thing about God's glory. God's glory is objective. Don't hear what I'm not saying. God's glory is object objective. This is why we get verses like this. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It means that when you experience his goodness and you experience his glory, it means that when you see him in the way that he chooses to be seen and you see him seated in heavenly places like John saw in Revelation chapter 1 and it says that he fell as a dead man, that there is a glory of God coming. And I've been saying this for years, but his presence is him as comforter, but his glory is here as conqueror. And he's coming as a conqueror to conquer land, to conquer territory, to conquer hearts, to conquer people, to pull back the realm of the darkness and begin to release the realm of the light in you and through you, that you are no longer agents, that you can be held back. You are agents of change sprinkled into a system to bring about change from the inside out in your highways and by 
highways, in your jobs, in your churches, in your families, that there is something God is doing. There is coming a time and now is. The Bible tells us that now faith is. Now faith is. Everybody say now. Now faith is, not yesterday, not tomorrow, not in four days, not three years ago, not 20 years ago when I asked him into my heart, but now faith is. It's amazing that you can uh, believe God for what happened yesterday, and you can believe God for what's going to happen in the end of days, in the end of times, but are you believing him for what is now? And I believe that it is the now faith of the saints, in the unity of the saints, it is that very thing that will usher in the greatest move of God that the earth has ever seen. That we will fulfill the words, the words like Bob Jones's word where it says over Columbus that a tent peg rose above every other tent peg, that something rose above every other region, and that like a tent, a canopy that covered the entire region, there were miracles, signs, and wonders, and that he even specifically said the greatest signs and wonders the earth has ever seen. And so I don't know about you, but that gets me just a little bit excited. It gets me just a little bit fired up that there is coming a time and now is that we're stepping into the greatest season that we can ever be alive for. And I'm thankful for God that he has placed me in such a time, in such a place, for such a season, for such a reason. I believe you're here for a reason. I believe God's stirring hearts. I believe God is, is shaking up mindsets. He's shaking up norms. And people are snapping out of the orbit of their ordinary. When you snap out of the orbit of your ordinary, you begin to move in the extraordinary. You begin to see the supernatural. You begin to believe God for things you never thought you would believe God for. You begin to see things you never saw and hear things you've never heard. Just like Andrew was singing out in worship that give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us those things so that we can see you in your fullness. And I come back to understanding his divinity in all of it. Because someone marked with glory, when you begin to see the glory of God on your life and you don't have a right relationship and a right understanding with his supremacy and his divinity, it's not good. And so having that understanding where you, we can truly see what it says in, in, in Psalm 24, who can ascend into the hill of the Lord? That's not a question of condemnation, it's a question of preparation. Who can ascend into the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. If you've asked Jesus into your heart, if you've received him as your savior, if you're in right relationship with Jesus, you have clean hands and a pure heart. And here's what it says, be lifted you gates. Be lifted, you ancient doors, so the king of glory can come in. Who is this king of glory? He is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And there is an aspect of us stepping in to understanding his supremacy, his divinity, the things that he's accomplished and paid for, and moving into this realm where we begin to usher in the glory of God. It's not going to happen sovereignly. It's not going to be this thing that just drops in a region or in a specific church. It's going to happen through one person, one person sitting in this room, and begin to spread like wildfire. You understand that it only takes one. You understand that, that God always starts with one. 
If I had time, I would prove it to you. I would tell you that every mighty move of God that has ever happened in the Bible always started with one man, one woman. Everything that God ever did always started with one. When God wanted to create all of humanity, he created one man. When God wanted to create a woman, he created one man and pulled the woman out of the man and pulled the family out of the woman and then pulled the civilization out of the woman, out of the family because God always starts with one. When God wanted to deliver the children of Israel, he raised up one man named Moses. He says, go down there and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. When God wanted to, to, to feed the Israelites, he raised up Joseph and said, if I can get Joseph out, Joseph will deliver everybody else out. And you can go through the entire Bible. If I had time, I'd take you through it. You could go through the entire Bible and see that every move in the Bible and every move on the earth, you can name it back to a person. Somebody got hungry and desperate for God and released it in the atmosphere. Whether it's the Great Awakening, the Welsh Revival, Azusa Street Revival, Pensacola, Lakeland, uh, it, Brownsville, Toronto, it, it starts with one coming into a region and breaking it open. So some of you need to realize that you're one of the ones. You're one of the ones. Say it right now. I'm one of the ones. You're one of the ones. You're a jailhouse breaker. You're a mountain mover. You're a giant killer. You've been anointed to slay the enemy. And the devil's been after people in this season. But I'm telling you, it's because there is a glory that's coming. There is a realm that's coming. There is something that's, he, that's coming and now is. And God is equipping and, and, and aligning people in unity to begin to usher in the great awakening that he is releasing. And I just want to throw gas on the fire of your faith this morning and tell you that it's coming, and it's here. It's coming, but it's here. It's here, but it's still coming. Now, how do you prepare? How do you prepare? You prepare by making a place. We make a place. See, what a lot of people do in the relationship with God is they prepare a place for what God's doing. But they don't prepare a place for what God's about to do. They don't prepare a place for what he's about to do. You know, as Isaiah 54 tells us, verse 2, it says, Enlarge the stakes of your tent. Stretch them out. Because you're about to have some offspring. You're about to have some fruit. You're about to have. And be beginning to prepare a place to handle increase, to handle anointing, to handle glory, to handle power, to handle all of these things. Preparing a place for what God is about to do rather than just preparing a place for what is he doing right now. And let's prepare a place that's good but is not good enough. If we want to steward what is coming, if we want to prepare a place, and you beginning to stretch out the stakes of your tent, enlarge the stakes of your tent, is putting a bullseye over your life and say, God, I don't know what's coming, but I'm preparing for it. 
I'm making a place. I'm making room in my life. I'm making room in my heart. I'm making room in my family. I'm making room in my schedule, in my mind, in my will, my emotions, that everything in me is subject to everything in you. And I'm declaring over you and I'm declaring over me that, God, you can have your way. And so we prepare a place for, where, uh, for what God is about to do. I believe that there are people in here, you've had this sensation. You've had this feeling like something's coming. It's here, like it's, it's different, it feels amazing. I don't know what God's doing, but there's something coming. Anybody had this but me? Okay, all right, good. And as we begin to come together in unity, putting aside every difference, coming under one banner, it's the precursor for glory to be released. I was in a very encouraging meeting last week. I had a couple of sit-down meetings with the mayor of Pickerington, and they went beautifully and convinced him to gather all the pastors in the city. There are 28 churches in Pickerington. So he sends out a formal letter from the mayor's office. We get 26 out of 28 churches show up. And the mayor begins to share his heart. He, he is an on-fire believer. Begins to share his heart for the city. Begins to share his heart for unity. And the whole time, I am trying so hard to bite my tongue. I'm trying to contain myself, to, to contain my excitement, because what he doesn't know is there's coming a time and now is, and that God is using him as an agent to bring about unity, and unity is always precursor for glory to come. What would happen if we began to, 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 to get unified, to come together? Bible tells us that one can chase a thousand, but two can chase ten thousand. Look what unity does to your effectiveness. Look what coming together does to your effectiveness. It increases it, 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 it expands it, it enlarges it to where the point you have to expand because you're getting around people that are causing you to dream bigger, who are causing you to think higher, to causing you to want more, to hunger after God like you've never hungered after God. There's something about unity. Do you feel it? All right, why don't you stand? I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I don't know if you can tell. I'm trying to hold back. This is me being reserved. I, get, I just get a little bit fired up because I, I believe this with all of my heart. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in for Jesus. All of my time, all of my money, all of my energy, all of my efforts, every, everything in me is, is for what he is doing and about to do. And I, I, I believe that there's something going to be released here 
uh, it, it's not just specific to, to one location or one, one, one area or one. It's, it's, it's for anybody who says yes, anybody who wants to step in. That's what it's for. There's an invitation. There's an invitation to step into his glory, to experience him like you've not experienced him before. But the thing with his glory is you can't just experience it for you. You've got to experience it and then take it and release it to the world around you. You've got to begin to be change agents, bringing about change from the inside out. That's why every single person in this room should sign up for CSSM this quarter. Shameless pitch. But I, I just believe it, it is the Lord's strategy to highlight supernatural evangelism in, the, in, the, in a time when he's pouring out glory. In a time where he's pouring out glory because it has to overflow. It has to get out. It has to spread. It has to, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth begins to, needs to, needs to begin to declare his goodness and his mercy and his, and his kindness in the land of the living. That there is something released out of you through you. And here's the thing. The more you give away, the more you get. And so there has to be this outward focus that we can't in this season, and as it pertains to his glory, to stare at our spiritual navel and say, give me more, Lord, give me more. If you can't holler amen, holler ouch. There's an aspect of receiving from the Lord, getting filled up, but, but there is an important aspect of pouring out. Pouring out, pouring out that there has to be an outlet, an outflow. Glory in, glory out. I believe that glory, it, it is the substance. If I had to describe it, it's the substance that God is made of. When God breathes in, he breathes in glory. When God breathes out, he breathes out glory. And it's a type and shadow that, that you were made in his image and in his likeness. And although we are made in his image and in his likeness, we are not necessarily like him because he's still God. And we're not. But there is an aspect that he has made you to be covered in glory. To be covered in glory. So, Father, I just pray right now. Don't you just lift your hands. Father, I just pray right now. God, I thank you for every person in here. Every burning heart. Every flaming tongue. Every person who has been set ablaze with what you're doing in this season and in this time. God, I thank you that there is a release of your power and a release of your spirit and a release of your presence that is unprecedented. That is coming and now is. And so, God, we thank you for what you're doing in the lives and in the hearts and in the minds of every person in here, Lord. We pray right now for a spirit of unity to come and begin to unify hearts and knit hearts and minds together and knit churches together, knitting pastors together, that there would no longer be pastors fighting against pastors and churches fighting against churches, but we would come together under one banner, just like in the book of Acts, 11 times we came together with one heart and one mind and one spirit with one purpose. And so I pray that over this company of people, I pray that over every heart here, Lord, that there would be a heart that is bent towards unity, a heart that is bent towards unity and restoration, God. And so we just release that over. We thank you, Lord, that unity is the precursor for glory. We thank you, God, that unity is the precursor for what you're about to do. And so, God, we right now, we recognize your supremacy. We recognize that you're king and we're not. And we just declare 
be lifted you gates. Be lifted, you ancient doors, so that the king of glory can come in. God, we invite you to come how you want to come, not how we think you should come. We invite you to come how you want to come and not how we think you should come. So, God, I bless every person here, Lord. I thank you for every heart and every mind. I thank you, Lord, that there is going to, they're stepping into the greatest season of encounter that they've ever stepped into. I declare over them that they're stepping into the greatest season of evangelism they've ever stepped into, that, that, that the, the, the salvations that you've seen in the last 20 years will, will be a multi, multiplied in the next two. I declare right now that there is a multiplication of salvations and souls and, and, and the winning of souls, Lord. I thank Thank you, Lord, that there is unity in, in winning souls and salvations, Lord. I thank you that there's power in that unity, and in the, it's the reason why you sent the disciples out two by two, because one can chase a 1,000, and two can chase 10,000. And so we thank you, Lord, for 10,000 souls, for 20,000 souls, for 100,000 souls, for Ohio to be set ablaze by people who have ushered in your glory. So, God, we bless every person here. We release faith. I just impart faith right now. Bold faith, bold proclamations over every person here. In Jesus' name, amen.